Hello everybody. I chose to come on to the scene this way uh, for the dramatic effect of the window that you see behind me. It's uh, a new window and it's of course not even a window really at all. What I did was go out on my terrace and take a photograph of the scene just outside the house. If there were a window, if it were pointing that way, then this is what you would be seeing. Minus, of course, the sunflowers, because this is no longer springtime or early summer. And uh, what you'll have with this is a window with sunflowers all the year round. Anyway, um, I thought it would be a little prettier than, than uh, just a white wall. And so I, I blew up that picture to a meter by about a meter and a half or more, and then put a frame around it and uh, made it look like a window. So imagine, and it's not much of an imagination because in fact this is more or less what you would see if you were here and looking in the right direction uh, and through an opening. But if you were standing, for example, out on my terrace where I can't really record because of the sounds of traffic which are very dim, airplanes which are more so wind on the microphone, which would be the most, um, the biggest distraction. Anyway, I wanted to uh, say that uh, I've been wishing to do this video for a, a little while, and I couldn't, first of all, because for nearly five weeks now, my throat has been just uh, inflamed all the way down into my chest, and I could hardly do anything but croak at you, as you heard on the talk. Davy told me that there was a lot of static on that uh, telephone recording and she assured me it wasn't my voice, but I thought, well, my voice certainly contributed to the effect of static because I could only sort of croak. And uh, then there's been the most amazing rain. The biggest, heaviest cascade of rain in 50 years is what someone said. So anyway, here I am doing something that I hope to do once a month to send to you. And today we've been talking about sort of seminal things, important things, and uh, I want to talk further on that subject. I want to tie it into the subject of creativity because I talked about our wanting to be creative, but in the line that Master has given us, and that if we can keep developing in that direction, then we will be really serving Master. And I remembered many years ago, I was very new at Mount Washington at the time, and Gene Haupt, who was an older man, 55, seemed ancient to me at the time, and uh, he was the gardener, and at least he did some gardening, and he was sort of wishing that he could uh, express his creativity in the garden, and I thought, well, that's a good idea. It seemed like any time anybody wanted to get some word to master, they would ask me to do it. I don't know why. Maybe they saw me as the kind of person who sticks his neck out. Anyway, I talked to master about it, and I was really surprised by master's answer. He said, talk to Virginia. She knows my wishes for the garden. Well, I was young, I was American, and I was very much uh, into personal freedom, although I had given that freedom to Master. But my first instinctive thought was, well, gee, can't we even be creative in the garden? 
what has that got to do with his teachings? And then I thought, because I, my main purpose in being there was discipleship, and so I immediately thought, well, what does it matter? If this is important to him, then that makes it important to me. And so I didn't argue with him, I didn't grumble, and I didn't feel badly about it. But I do remember that first flash that came into my mind of, uh, can't we be creative too? Can't we do it our way also? Uh, does everything have to reflect him? And it's over the years that I've come to understand what he meant and how wise he was. My wisdom at that time lay in accepting his word because he had given it, accepting his advice because he had given it, not because I understood. I just assumed that the understanding would come. Well, just about that time, or maybe just a little bit later, there was a kind of committee that was started, and they were, I think Master appointed the committee to see what would happen. And they were beginning to sort of uh, complain about all the things that weren't right that needed to be fixed. And up to a certain point, I'm sure they were right. Master himself said later, I could start talking about the faults of this organization and never stop. But the thing is that there is basically good there, and uh, why not emphasize that good? But anyway, it was then that I saw that these people were uh, getting out of tune with Master, and that lack of attunement was far more important than the rightness or the wrongness of their ideas. And so I pulled back from uh, their discussions, and uh, it was just about then that Master began telling me, you have a great work to do. And I understood th what he meant in, in saying that, at least to this extent, that he saw that I was one who would try to do his will and not do what uh, was natural for a young creative male and natural for an awful lot of Americans and unfortunately, natu unfortunately natural for a lot of disciples. But then they aren't real disciples, they're students. I've come to understand over the years, and this has been my practice now for just about the whole time that I've been Master's Disciple, that if I want to know how to do something, if I want to know uh, what is the right course of action, I always, always, if I'm not sure already, if I don't know already, I always ask myself, not just does, what does Master want, to that question, there are all kinds of possible answers depending on your own desire. Sort of, what do you want, Master, but you really want this, don't you? Ha, 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 ha. That, that's not the right way. But I ask myself, what would Master do? What would Master say? What would Master think? How would Master view these things? I've meditated on his life from that point of view. I've tried to understand why he did and said what he did. And even that little garden episode, I've come to understand that he was talking on a much deeper level. It wasn't at all, and I doubt very much that he even talked to the disciple to tell her where he wanted flowers. But he wanted us to do everything with the thought of attunement, so that we are doing it as devotees and not just as workers. Jean Haupt, who first raised that complaint, 
finally left Mount Washington and grumbled, I didn't come here to rake leaves. And Master, when he heard that, he said, I didn't ask him to rake leaves. He said he was like a merchant. I've given you so many Kriyas, now you've got to give me so much realization. He said, God doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, care for that kind of attitude. And so Jean, with that sense of uh, wanting to do it his way, and I think that's what he was really talking about, and not just the raking of leaves, didn't understand that there is joy in raking leaves if that's what the guru wants and if that's what you offer to the guru, and then the guru begins to give you more and more. It's not as if by trying to do the guru's will, your creativity is squashed or suppressed.